Welcome to the Top Gear Magazine podcast, a peek behind the curtain of what it's really like to drive other people's cars for a living. These are the stories behind the stories. Hello, I'm Jack Ricks, Top Gear Magazine's editor, joined as ever by Rowan Horncastle, Top Gear's head of content. And this episode, we're talking about monocoloured cars, getting in the way at a pre-season F1 test, and why the Ferrari 296 GTB is a 10 out of 10 car. But first, Rowan, what have you been thinking about? Computer games. Oh God, you're living a double life in the metaverse again, aren't you? Thanks for asking, yeah. No, my, <laughs> um, like... My dragons are doing really well, and I'm a, a blacksmith for, for for everyone in the fantasy land that I, I live in. I didn't actually ask. No, for no, it, but um, I'm going to tell you anyway. But mm. yeah, thanks. I'm, mine, I'm mining many many a crypto. But no, did you see that AMR Pro, uh, the Valkyrie oh, AMR the Valkyrie. Pro, yeah, 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 going around the other day? It looked like a replay from you know a driving game, yeah, Gran did, Turismo or Forza or any of those. And it's amazing how our brain has kind of transitioned that we don't know what's real. And, fake anymore it's, well essentially the graphics are just so insane especially on the ps5 now they got something like ray tracing i don't really understand it but it makes cars look even more realistic um it's insane isn't it but i, I don't know i grew up on gran turismo i i pretty much learned all i know about cars through that it was like the ultimate set of top trance but you could learn everything from vehicle dynamics names of cars what's cool stuff from japan that you'd never seen before pre-internet it was the kind of only way to do it so i'm a massive fan of the series and there's the new gran turismo 7 i was about to tell you i was like have you noticed there's a new one rowan yeah gran turismo 7 shall we we could we could talk about this or we could get on our gaming correspondent mike channel an expert in the field. Yeah, a gaming expert to actually talk us through it and, and give us the finer details. What do you think? Yeah, that's good. This man has no thumbs left. They've been worn down from years <laughs> just, and years of button bashing. bloody stumps. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, let's speak to Mike because he has the complete download on it and uh, has been playing it a lot. Hi, Mike. Are you there? I am, yes. Hello. Hello, hello. How's it going? I just have to say off the bat, uh, apologies if you're watching this, if you're listening to this rather than watching it on video, you've got some most excellent retro arcade machines behind you. Yeah. Yeah. Proper gaming cave that we've entered into. Yeah. Well, this is my, this is my life basically. So um, (laughs) in my day job, I make videos on YouTube for, uh, for a a YouTube gaming channel. So uh, yeah, it's, it's full of um, both arcade cabinets and sort of steering wheel rims for sim equipment. I've got my racing sim here. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a proper, proper cave. Do you ever leave that room? Very rarely, very rarely. <laughs> Food and water only, pretty much. Um, Good. Didn't say toilet, which is quite worrying, but never mind. No, but no. yeah, um, no, but the, just to give on, yeah, Mike writes all our gaming reviews across the, the mag, the web, and he's been drilling Gran Turismo 7 and we're so interested to know what you think of it what's different so well I, I wanted to go before you we get into that what it's like go back try and describe the excitement at a, a new Gran Turismo a new proper numbered Gran Turismo coming out try and well, it's, it doesn't that. happen often does it because they take their sweet time over there in at Polyphony <laughs> Digital uh but obviously it, it clearly takes a long time to to create the cars at the level of fidelity that they do I mean this is you know this is a game where the individual elements in the headlights you know the individual mirrored elements are all recreated perfectly it is ludicrously detailed mm-hmm. uh and, and so yeah they take their time the last uh, major one, I believe, was back in 2013. So it's nearly a decade um, since the last sort of numbered Gran Turismo game. We had GT Sport, which was an interesting sort of spin-off, very much prioritizing multiplayer and trying to encourage people into online competition. Uh, but this is a, a sort of, I refer to it as a full-fat um, GT game, basically. It's got the campaign mode, uh, traditionally known as GT mode, where you start from, you know, uh, browsing the classifieds for a, for a you know, a, a slowish car and then building your way up to kind of Le Mans and hypercars and the brilliant Vision GT, you know, machines and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's a real journey. It's a big game, big old game. Um, so plenty to get your teeth into. Uh, there are some 
some issues that have uh, arisen around the size of the game and in particular the economy, but we can talk about that a bit later. But um, fundamentally, it's a brilliant game. You know, it's, are the, uh, it's are the ultimately frustrating driving licenses still there? Because oh, that... yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love that. I don't know about you guys, but um, I love that that thing of like repeatedly trying to get gold on those on those tests because I feel like, you know, Gran Turismo is close enough now. I mean, there'll be sort of anoraks who uh, will argue until the cows come home about whether it's a full simulation or a proper simulation but for my money it gets close enough to the dynamics of driving a car and you know weight transfer and you know level of adhesion and things like that that by doing those license tests i feel like i'm becoming a better driver right mm. particularly if you have a, a wheel set up um uh, and it supports a bunch of sort of steering wheels and things including the new gran Turismo wheel which is really really good um so i feel like i'm improving as a driver so i'm happy to smash my head against those license tests over and over again because i feel like at the end of it maybe i'm that little bit faster and that little bit more capable behind the wheel no because i was saying earlier that gran Turismo was basically all of my car knowledge uh, hmm. up to a point because it was the easiest way entry i found into before you could drive to get around dynamics, understand cars. But the big thing were the circuits as well. Are they the same as Trial Mountain still there? Is it just being glossed up a bit? Trial Mountain is back, yeah, absolutely. So if you are uh, one of the people who is prepared to admit to being old enough that you played the first uh, Gran Turismo game 25 years ago, uh, yeah, yeah, it's officially <laughs> uh, retro. Jack and I have just looked at each other like, oh, <laughs> yeah. we're getting old, we're getting um, old. Yeah, some of the classic tracks are back. Uh, Trial Mountain is there, as is Deep Forest. Uh, they are both uh, returning with a, a sort of fresh lick of paint. Um, and there are a bunch of the sort of fictional circuits from um, GT Sport, that were really really good uh, i for my money i i think no one makes a kind of fictional race circuit like like those guys do um but then there's also obviously world circuits like uh you know le mans the nurburgring uh monza's in there uh, the red bull rings in there all these sort of uh real world circuits so so yeah it's it's i mean it's a huge huge game um both in terms of the the number of circuits and also now the cars which are still for the most part lifted from gt sport but there's a bunch of new stuff in there as well you know cool. um, and just and, and for the for the plebs out there like me um what does what does the new what does having it on ps5 bring to the table is it does it improve playability or does it just look prettier so uh, what's interesting about gt7 is it it is compatible with your ps4 if you have a ps4 you can play it on there and it, it is you know for the most part a very similar experience what you get with the ps5 is increased graphical fidelity so it looks you know a lot prettier the loading times are faster so you spend less time when you have to keep restarting those license tests you have to less time to wait to get back into it um and it's got this sort of uh, technology called ray tracing, which is to do with the lighting. And, and you know, Gran Turismo has always been about really shiny cars. Now they are the most shiny cars you will ever have seen. <laughs> Detailers um, will be very happy with we, that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we were saying, have we reached a point where, um, you know, we, we watched a video uh, recently of the, the Valkyrie AMR Pro going around hmm. the track. And, and Rowan said, it's just like watching the highlight reel from, from GT7. Have we reached the point where just real life is merging I always feel that way, yeah. I feel like back in 1997, we were probably looking at Gran Turismo 1 and thinking, wow, it's impossible to tell whether that's real life or not. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, we are getting close. I mean, re some really smart stuff. I, one thing I'd really like to call out is the, is the sort of weather and the, the sort of um, sky stuff, which sounds like a really boring and nerdy thing to, to care about. But, um, you know, when you're, when you're actually racing a car... Um, you can read the the grip in front of you if it's if it's changeable conditions, right? Um, and the the weather system in GT7, the graphics are such that what you see on the circuit in front of you really correlates to what you can feel underneath you, and that that makes it really really satisfying to go searching for grip, you know, and find that drying line, and 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 as the the sort of race track gets more saturated, you know, you, it can go from being wet to being extremely wet and you can tell that difference visually as well as underneath you so i do think you know all the, the fancy graphics are are lovely and it, you know they're great to show off to your mates and stuff but they actually are good enough now that they have a sort of fundamental effect on what you're playing as well which is just uh, wild to me i love the description of weather as sky stuff that was great <laughs> yeah. but also jack going back to a couple of podcasts ago where you're explaining your um 
you're experiencing a Chiron Supersport around a very, very wet you're Nürburgring. Right. Although I have to say, I didn't read the conditions very well because if you watch the video, I sort of set off with like false optimism. Uh, it's only <laughs> after like armfuls of oversteer in the first two corners that I realised there's basically no grip. I'm on cup two R's and there's standing water. On and the I'm dry a, line. He needs to do his driving licence test on Grand Turismo. Yeah, yeah and then he needs to Get all golds on International A and then, yeah, then you can go back out. Yeah, I need to practice a bit more. So, it's not so a light car as well, so you really don't exactly. want to be... If it goes, it, it goes, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So have we got the classics like the you know the Tom Supra or the Pikes Peak Suzuki's, but all those kind of Gran Turismo legends and like the weird JDM stuff that the for Pikes, me was an education? The Pikes Peak, the Escudo is not there, unfortunately. Probably because it's the cheatiest car in not all buying of... It. Uh, not buying it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, but, end the conversation there. We've got the Tom Supra, um, but weirdly, and this is real nerdy stuff, it's the Tom Supra from 1997 rather than the one from the 1996 JGTC series um, that was in the original game. So it's slightly different, but it's got the Castrol livery. It's what you want, basically. It's got the wastegate noise is going on. Yeah, it's it's a lesson. It's a lesson. So where does this, where does GT7 sit then in the pantheon of great driving games? Is it best ever by a mile or or... Have you well, got what's, a personal favourite? What's interesting is, and this is something I called out uh, in the review uh, uh, for Top Gear on topgear.com, uh, there are some slight problems with the economy and the way it works. So um, it's a very difficult game to earn money in. Um, and as a result, uh, it often feels like the game is sort of pushing you towards, there's the option to spend a bit of real money to get your pretend money in the game, right? Um, and there's, a slight feeling at the moment, as the game stands, that uh, they're trying to sort of direct you towards that by making it extremely difficult to earn money. Um, it's something I mentioned early doors, and I, I think the, the sort of community surrounding the game has really picked up on that and, and gotten quite angry about it. So what's great is that, uh, you know, Kazunori Yamauchi, who's the, the guy behind Grand Turismo, has, has responded to this and said, look, we're going to change it now. We're going to make it easier to earn money. We're going to make it so you can... You couldn't even sell cars before yeah. right which yeah. was in the classic gt game the way you earn money mm-hmm. right so they are going to fix the economy so the jury's out <laughs> a little bit it's still a brilliant racing game i absolutely adore driving it as a, as a sort of driving experience on console i think it's unmatched basically well um, how good how good that you can listen to the community and react that quickly yeah I mean, they've got a manifesto there's a, a socialist policy coming yeah. into the game to kind of, <laughs> just kind of like liquidate the economy rishi needs to have a go on gran turismo yeah. that's it that's what you could learn a bit yeah, yeah. probably yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah it's uh it's it, it's interesting the, the fixes that they've announced uh, that are coming sort of, I think, in April um, do sound really encouraging. So more prize money, uh, the ability to sell cars. Um, he's giving everyone a million in-game credits if they log, you know, if they logged in before these changes were made as well. So they're trying to, to make help it out. Right. That's to help out there. A million <laughs> yeah, credits. Is, yeah, yeah, so it's fine. Nice. Um, Brilliant. Nice. But I think with those changes, it, it, it's... It's you know it's peak Gran Turismo. It's it's what everyone hoped for, um, and uh, and the level of fidelity is just astonishing. Yeah, it's just so, endlessly fun to drive cars in that game. And I yeah. you know, I, I as someone who um, can't afford to uh, buy a Porsche nine seventeen K and blat around, I'm very much looking forward to finally being able to save up for one in the game. All right, and just finally then, Mike, uh, in the true games master tradition, because you are the games master, um, got any cheats? Uh, well, it's funny you should mention that. There was a race, a uh, sort of rally race on Fisherman's Ranch that was a really good way of earning credits, but they, they changed it, and that was the catalyst to uh, for everyone to kick off about the in-game economy. So I would wait. There are no cheats in it, uh, per se. No, up, but down, I, left, right, triangle, square, yeah, circle, yeah, triangle, triangle, around. square. No, it's far too serious for that. You've got to, <laughs> you've got to earn your stripes. You've got to do those license tests, Jack. I'm uh, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry to no break it to you, but you're going to have to do them. No big head mode for you. Yeah, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. All right. Awesome, Mike. Well, great to catch up. Keep it, keep gaming. Um, try and get some sunlight when you can. <laughs> I'll do my best. Yeah, I'm, I'm functionally a vampire now. Yeah. So, you know. All right. Thanks, Mike. Great Take to see you. Bye. Don't know about you, Joe. I kind of want to go home and just play the PlayStation all afternoon. It's all I want to do, really, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, I can't wait. I haven't actually played GT7 yet. I need to get my hands on it. Me too. But. There's a car that's not in it, or probably not in it yet. It'll probably be downloadable later. That we've driven, that the gamers can't drive. It's the Lotus Amira. It's the cover car on on this issue. Of course, it's the big story. And I feel like before we get into the nitty gritty of talking about uh, this car, maybe a little bit of background to explain 
what the car was and sort of the background to the story because um so this was it's a pre-production prototype of the Amira. Now, if you saw this driving past you on the road, it would look like a finished car. Yeah, know? it wasn't built off, you know, spittles and dreams from Norfolk yeah. and they go, oh, have a go, because it gets a bit funny with concept barks, moving prototypes. This is pretty much there and it was just an ADAS special for just built for to test sensors and uh, all your safety equipment, exactly. stuff that we turn off. But um, Yeah, yeah so... Good. So Lotus gave sent us a list, and this ha- this happens quite a lot. If a manufacturer gives you access to a pre-production prototype, they might send you a list of things that isn't quite finished yet. So, for example, we could use um, the sport driving mode, but we couldn't use the track mode. We couldn't turn the ESC completely off and do big skids in it. But, um, you know, it was a representative engine and, uh, and and gearbox, and the chassis was kind of the best chassis tune they have so far, although, you know, it may get better towards the end. But anyway, point was, they said to us, right, you can have a go around Hethel. Uh, You can have a few hours blasting around our track, but we'll give you access, we'll give you a day, day and a half to go and drive it on the road as well. We were the only ones that got to have a go on the road, which is massively exciting. So we got the team together, decided what to do, and basically it turned into just a big Top Gear staff day out, didn't it? Well... This is, the, for me, the most exciting car mm. of uh, 2022. When it was first announced, the price, the engine, manual gearbox, V6, you know, I wanted to go, you wanted to go, Ollie Marriage wanted to go, Ollie Q wanted to go, so we all decided to have a go <laughs> so and a go. <laughs> uh, do different aspects. But, oh... Let's let's, let's bring yeah. in Ollie Marriage now, actually, because we've got Ollie on the line. Ollie, are you there? I am there, yeah. There he is. So, <laughs> so basically, we were sort of sitting around this table, kind of carving up who did what. Um, Ollie took on the track element at Hethel. I did the road bit. Ro, your bit was quite interesting. What was your comparison? Well, it does look like a baby supercar, but mm. we need to put it as a test. So I thought, let's get a Lamborghini Huracan in. Any excuse to book in a Lamborghini and yeah. just swan about in it? Well, no, it was there for editorial purposes yes. and uh, and see how it really did in the design front. And it does stand out. But if you've watched the video on the YouTube channel, which I would recommend going and seeing, you would see the, uh, the, the road element came first. But that was us being creative in the edit suite because what actually happened first, that Ollie had to go to Norfolk and drive it on track. And, well, that was a big test. So how did it go for you all? I mean, it went it went really well. It's I mean, it's that as as Rose said, that is such an exciting car, and we've just been clamouring for it for so long. So to be able to go up to Hethel, and you've got you know you had Hethel test track and the car there, and we had a full day to shoot it there was was brilliant. And it was so um, Gavin Kershaw, who's like the head of the dynamics and attributes for Lotus, came up and showed me around it. So you've got this enormously privileged day already to get used to it and then yeah just a, a load of time playing around on a track in the new Amira, which was great but, but ollie and it's a big but for you no skids yeah yeah no skids <laughs> because as you said it is that that was the adas prototype which was designed to do developing all the adaptive adaptive radar crews and all that sort of thing so um track mode was disabled it wasn't working we did try yeah but um, there was a little hack wasn't there because uh being a rigorous road tester knowing his way (laughs) around various fuse boxes and cheat codes on steering wheels to turn everything off if you you could slightly confuse it if you're a bit too quick on the switch could you if if you went from sport mode into track mode and then switched it back to sport, it still thought an element of the traction control was in track and then saw it back. But then it would start doing some quite funny stuff. So I mean, <laughs> it's, it's a development car. It's not the, you know, finished cars are not going to be like this. Yeah. <laughs> but you could. I mean, the thing was that it was even in sport mode, it was working the car. You can work the car so hard without, you know, without feeling like you were being it was being you were being intruded on by the traction control mm-hmm. and it's it's interesting car isn't it because the the engine's familiar so it's the supercharged mm-hmm. toyota sourced v6 manual gearbox yeah. which is lovely rear wheel drive the chassis it's different to um avora and elise and exige that have gone before but it's kind of built using the same similar mm. materials and techniques so really yeah. it's not 
it's not a huge departure. It's not like some technological showcase. It's really just all the bits we love about Lotus kind of repackaged um, into a shape that's, you know, more attractive and an interior that doesn't smell of glue. And it's the right car at the right time for mm. Lotus. This is, you know, this is where everything's moving away from these cars that are, you know, more sort of organic and pure to drive. Analog. And yet here's one that's saying it's still relevant and you can do it. Mm. And that makes it just tremendous. So this is a, a car and opportunity they can't really screw up because it's got all that juicy Chinese money behind it from Geely. <laughs> and for a generation, because the Elise... Uh, Ollie is a Series 1 uh, Elise owner. But for the younger generation, they don't know too much about Lotus because it's not always been on the radar. But when this comes along, um, it You're can right. bring new people in. You're and right. it does stand yeah. up, doesn't it? I don't know what your guys' first impressions were, but it's not... Well, t- talk us through your Series 1 versus this one, Ollie. You know, <laughs> there is quite a difference. Yeah, there's a huge difference. I mean, the... The, the way to think, I think, uh, to think of the Amira is don't think it's going to be a revolution because if you've driven an Exige or an Evora, this is basically a similar sort of driving experience. What's different, and you will be amazed by, though, is the, re- is the refinement and the quality. Those are the two areas that Lotus have worked hardest on. So it's weird to say the best thing about this new Amira is how refined it is and how comfortable it is, but those are the biggest gains. Because Maya Lee's, which is literally half the weight of the Amira, it's a different sort of driving experience, if you like, but they, there is still commonalities in like the steering response and that sort of thing. And Lotus said this one is 85 or 90% done, but you know, you drive you, the ride quality and the damping setup in that development car for anyone else, you would consider that finished and done and ready. Yeah. So you know how, how much finesse they can put exactly. into it. But yeah, it's a different car from the older leads. It's still got commonalities with the Evora and Exige, but, it's the right car at the right time for Lotus to show what they can do. Yeah, and that's totally right. On the road bit, we had one of the worst days of weather ever. It was just solid sheet rain um, all day. But uh, it didn't really matter. You know, it just sort of lowered the limits were a bit lower, but it didn't feel spiky. Yeah. It was all friendly. It was a, a quite bumpy road we were in in, in, in Wales, and, and it just totally can, soaked can it I up. Just, can I just point out yeah. that I got to drive it from Hethel all the way to Wales. And so that got to drive exciting. it back to London that, as well, I think. Well, no, it, this is how back. excited yeah. we were about the car. So Ollie done a full day in track on it. So he got up at four in the morning to go drive. <laughs> drive that and then decided because we needed to get to Wales to drive it there and then we got to the hotel I said should we just go and wrecky the road at two in the morning anyway so we went and did some night shots because I wanted (laughs) to go in the car before the shoot anyway and then we got back and then you did it did it on the road in the morning so um, we maximized our our time with it that car basically didn't stop moving did it but it was so but that's how excited we were and I was much more excited about driving it on road just across the Midlands and into Wales than I was actually about driving on track because I knew it would would be brilliant on track I knew it would be engaging and light and fun but it was how it behaved on the road. So that, for me, was much more interesting. Just and that doing a long test car, by the drive. way. Yeah, that test car mm. had the touring suspension, which is the slightly more, slightly softer setting. You can get a sport chassis, but our conclusion from this early exposure was don't get the touring one. It suits it. it the car's yeah, got a bit does. of movement, and, and it sort of absorbs everything rather than you know, being too hardcore for the road. No, so do for, get the touring yeah. one. Do get the, the touring. touring. Yeah, do, no, get yeah, the touring. do get the touring. No, because it was... Did you enjoy it on the road? Is that... Uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Absolutely loved it. Um, it, it. It sort of felt familiar, but just better in all the ways that Lotuses in the past have put people off. So it's a really smart move. And and, and, and also, yeah. you know, we have to bear in mind, Lotuses, with all this juicy Chinese money, as you say, Ro, they're going all electric apart from the Amira. So there's going to be an electric SUV. There's going to be a smaller electric SUV. There's going to be a, a, a an electric four-door saloon, a kind of Panamera-shaped thing. Uh, and the Avaya, of course, the all-electric hypercar. So there's a lot of cars coming that are going to contradict Chapman's philosophy. So they needed yeah. to get this one right. They needed to can I, sort can of I just say contradict fr- Chapman and also possibly reinforce what Danny Bahar was doing. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> They've got it's a very cars good point. Going. But it also, when we get to group test it against its rivals, it's, you know, it's against a Super, an M2, Comp, Cayman. 
the Alpine, it's it's going to be interesting. I've I felt that this Lotus really filled the gap which the Alpine kind of left because with that engine and gearbox, it's absolutely magical. Yeah. And like you said, I drive it back from Wales to Milton Keynes and I've never been in a more Milton Keynes car in my life <laughs> of where you can just go into a roundabout, not too fast, everything being fine at completely legal speeds, but fantastic steering, yeah. interactions, out gearbox, great sounds. I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, so I was going to say uh, an Amira or a Cayman, but I think it's a bit too early to make that call. We'll we'll get the we'll get the group test as you say together, Row, and then we'll report back on the winner because that's that's a big one. That's a big one. It is. Um, and while we got you, Ollie, uh, you've been driving <laughs> other cars as well. So Ferrari two nine six GTB. That looks uh, quite yes. good. <laughs> ten, yes. Ten out of ten. How often have you given a car ten out of ten? <sighs> Well, do you know, until last, I think I did it for the Singer DLS last summer. But before then, I honestly can't remember when the last one was. But it, that 296, it just, for, for me, it encapsulates what made the 458 absolutely sensational. And, and also what I thought was missing slightly from like the F8 and the F8 Tributo, the 488 and the F8 Tributo, because those cars for me, they were they those with the V8 turbos were so fierce through the mid range, but they they'd lost something somewhere. I mean, this was uh, this is picking high hairs because yeah, they were yeah. still brilliant, brilliant cars. But that two nine six, that V6 engine, that whole, whole all new from the ground up V6 engine is a triumph. Basically, I think it's really is, really is it a triumph special because you've got the electrical assistance, which is just enhancing it. Or uh, from low revs to high revs, or is it just even if you stripped away the hybrid boost, it would still be impressive. It would still be impressive because I I, I think the, the what what usually happens with hybrids and plugins and all the rest of it is that either the electric dominates or the turbos dominate, and the the V six itself or the V eight or whatever it is is always feels like the weaker partner in that. It's just a force generator, but here. Both the electric motors and the turbos complement the, the the standard V6 power delivery. So you've got this thing that just sort of reinforces the V6. So the V6 is allowed to shine, even though it's got really significant boost from the electric motors and the turbos. So it just works really nicely as a package. I think they finally finessed it, because for the SF90 with the tech, we, but when I went... Fortunately, to that 812 comp launch, we had dinner with Rafa and the smile he had on his face when he was talking about the 296, they're properly happy with it. Exactly. It looks like he says it will dance. SF, and, uh, SF90, yeah, a numbers yeah. car and the practice run, 296. Yeah. Perfection. Well, I can't that's wait to basically how I, th- how I think of it, actually. I'll tell you what, boys, performance car of the year this year. Whoa, oh, juicy. Lotus Amira, <laughs> 296, GT4 RS, GT4 RS and yeah. many, many more. It's going to be a, it's going to be a good one. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, yeah two yeah. tough gigs for you there, Ollie. Yeah, uh, it's been a tough month. Well, I done. think there's a Skoda Fabra in the office that needs driving. So <laughs> Yeah, we'll get a Citroen Ami in for you to sort of level things <laughs> yes. off. Anyway, great to speak, mate. And um, yeah. Speak soon. Cheers, okay, Al. boys, take care. Cheers, bye. bye. <laughs> All right, so um, I, th- I think it's time to meet the holocopter. Should we ah. meet? Should we meet the holocopter? Uh, you know, it brightens up my day. Even just a, a little, a little syringe of Paul Horrell that comes in and, and gives me, a, yeah, a, a boost of, of of energy and knowledge. It's just like an espresso shot for your brain, isn't it? So Paul Horrell, he is our contributing editor, uh, one of the most experienced car journalists in the world. He's got an enormous brain. He knows absolutely everything. And what we're going to do here. Um, on each pod is give him 60 seconds, strictly 60 seconds, to explain a very complicated idea. Uh, and we're going to make sure he comes into this completely blind. So I assure you, this is him riffing on something he's just heard about. So should we get him on? Yeah, and I just agree. I don't think he has one brain. I think he has three brains, actually, <laughs> if, if, if we're getting into it. But yeah, this is Paul Horrell. Hello, Paul. Are you there? Hello. How are you? Yes, I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Uh, fine, thank you. Yeah. Not nervous, not anxious, not worried? You know, case there are. Why, <laughs> why, 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 why
you know, we'll all suffer, won't we? Exactly. Because um, it undermines your shtick about how I know stuff. If I prove I don't, you know, you look a fool as well. Yeah, we have we have introed you about Paul Holland's big brain, so we're going to look like idiots too, don't worry. Um, so, 60 seconds for Paul Hold to talk about a very complicated subject, totally blind, he has not seen this topic, and the topic this month, Rowan, is... You may have heard a lot about it, Paul, but what is a semiconductor shortage and why does it matter? Go. Okay, yes, we are in the middle of Chipageddon. There aren't (laughs) enough of them around. Most cars have uh, 40, 50 or more semiconductor chips in the moment. They're just the normal microchips you've got on your phone or your your, your any old thing, probably your washing machine if you're more interneted things than I am. Um, And the thing is that uh, the car companies during the pandemic thought they would need many, didn't order enough. And then uh, they needed a lot because they're trying to build a lot of cars now and they can't because globally a lot of the factories shut down. There was a a, a big fire in one of them and so on. And the trouble is that it takes a very long time to build a semiconductor factory. So this shortage is going to be with us for a very long time. That means not enough new cars can be built. That means that new cars uh, are in short supply. That means that uh, secondhand cars are extremely expensive. And the trouble is that all the different semiconductors in the cars are all separate. They all come from different suppliers. And therefore, you can't even say, oh, we'll make that chip do that job and make that chip do that job, unless you're Tesla, because they and make we'll have to stop own. there, Paul. We'll have to stop there. Oh, wow. Were you enjoying it? Yeah, that was good. Yourself? Yeah, yeah, that's a real bite-sized kind of... It's a real of... shot in the arm, isn't yes, it? Yes, exactly. Um, it's basically, what I got from that was uh, it's a real problem and it's not going away anywhere anytime soon. Is that fair no. enough? Keep driving your old car. It's yeah. fine. Or sell it for lots of money, because that's what's happening, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Oh, man. A, a friend of mine, uh, the balloon, he, he came to the three years, the end of his PCP on a Golf GTI, a Mark 7.5 Golf GTI, which is basically peak golf. Yeah, They've yeah, never good. been better again. And um, he was offered like 20 grand by the garage, even though the balloon payment was only 10. But, of course, that's no good to him because he can't get a new one. Mm. So although he could have made a killing, it's only a theoretical killing because then he'd have to buy lots of walking boots. Well, yeah, I was going to say, or or a new bike and pocket yeah, yeah. 19 grand. Yeah, I don't have a single chip on my carbon fibre bicycle. <laughs> well, uh, you Just need... have them for dinner then. Yeah, yeah, have them for dinner instead. All right, Paul, great to see you. And um, Andrew, we'll, we'll be next pleasure. month to test your brain uh, next month. Cheers, right. Paul. Cheers, Paul. Paul Hole there, ladies and gentlemen, and his enormous brain. Um, should we have a look what else is in the issue? There's quite a few things. There's lots to get tucked into. Plenty. So, oh, an interview with Gunter Steiner. We had to uh, warm up the bleep machine for that one. <laughs> yes, he, exactly. he, the man he, of many quotes. I mean, it is, yeah, a well-worn cliche, but actually it is a brilliantly sweary interview, so I highly recommend it. Um, we've got we've got a lovely, beautiful studio shoot of the uh, the next alpha to save the company, the toenail. The toenail, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as, it's, as, it's, as it's known in the office. But uh, yeah, if you flick through, we've also got the retro section. Remember where we celebrate and look back because old and, cars are better than new ones. Well, cooler than new ones. Yes, yeah, so, but uh, our renowned photographer Mark Riccioni, who has an addiction to buying oh, cars, no, what's he done? He's just shipped in another car from Japan, <laughs> an X time at- cars from Japan <laughs> with a Fast and Furious phrase, the X time attack uh, Toyota Starlet. But um, if you heard that voice, it's a familiar voice, the voice of the Quizmaster Ollie Q, who's also been out um, getting under into the underbelly of the new Formula One rules and regulations by a very exclusive invitation to uh, to join Alpine on their yeah. first test of the first F1 car. And basically just sort of get in the way, really. It was a wonderfully, well, you can tell us more about it in a minute, but one, this wonderfully loose invite of like, oh, well, we could get you along to testing and you can just see what happens. It was, yeah, I um... wonder if they regretted that afterwards. <laughs> well, you tell me, you were there. It was interesting. So it wasn't strictly what's known as Formula One testing. That's when the, the, they're running, you know, the lap time simulations. This was Alpine's filming day. This is when they get all of the B-roll, all of their all of their shots of the new car wearing the new sponsor's livery. It's very, very important. They send it out to all the sponsors and they get the footage of all the drivers, so Esteban Ocon and Fernando Alonso, in their new racing pyjamas, holding everything they're sponsored by. So watches and oil and 
whatever it is, fast food, they're, they're sponsored by a water manufacturer, I think. So everything, just being handed packaging. Are there day. people being yelled at left, right and centre for not wearing the correct hat? There was a point like where there was someone almost had a panic attack because they realised someone was in back of shot and not wearing the sunglasses, which are the official <laughs> sunglasses of the Alpine Formula One team. So it's that kind of day. Yeah. There was an awful lot of um, yeah of stressful um, PRs. And then in the middle of it was an idiot from Top Gear with a film Implanted. <laughs> and where were we? Like what so this was at the Circuit de Catalunya Barcelona. This is where Formula One's traditionally done a lot of its testing. This year, all the testing at Barcelona is behind closed doors. And then the public testing that people are really into F1 would have seen was at um, Bahrain but before that the teams were out in, in Barcelona to um, to get their eye in and this was literally the first time that Alpine not only had run the car but had actually assembled their new car for the first time which became brutally apparent when they said yeah yeah we're going to run it this morning and it actually left the garage for the very first time at about course to three in the afternoon uh, yeah 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 so so it, it, it's a filming day it's not supposed to be a running day but but actually really the 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 feeling in the air must have been let's find out whether this car we've been designing for 18 months works or not. Oh, 100%. So if anyone's not completely familiar with what's been going on in Formula One recently, um, they came up with a whole new set of rules and regulations designed to make the cars easier to, to follow each other, which encourages more overtaking, makes better races for us. But then due to all the complication of, of creating these new cars, they postponed that during the pandemic. Said, OK, you can have until 2022 to sort these cars out. So Alpine, a midfield team, haven't won a world title, um, as Renault for a very, very long time. Um, this is exactly what they need, isn't it? Mm. New rules. A reset can, button. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That can yeah. boost them back up to the top. So they would have been, there would have been big nerves on the morning that we rocked up going, oh, hello, can we point our cameras at this? <laughs> and they were going, <laughs> they, don't like, they, they don't like the cameras being pointed at the technology at all, do they? No. I mean, it, it was, this was, yeah, this became quite apparent when um, they handed us um, the, the key, so to speak, to their, um, their, their sort of mule car, their show car. So this is not a real running F1 car, but it's got the new wings on it, the new 18-inch wheel, all the new aero devices that show you what's changed. And I said, oh, brilliant. Can we pull this out of the, the garage into the pit lane, um, into the light, into the sunshine, and I'll just walk around it. We'll have the, the video guy follow me around, and we can just talk through everyone what's new. And we times this just as Ferrari, who were the other team at this um, filming day, also getting a load of their footage, they decided to do some running. So yeah. I was presented with Carlos Sainz bearing down the pit lane with a load <laughs> of very red, uh, suited up Italians rather angrily charging me. And this is the point where if you go and watch the video um, on the Top Gear YouTube channel, you will see, bless her, one of the Alpine PR ladies basically have to dive into shot and ask us very politely to sod off out of the way because <laughs> Ferrari were getting very, very very angry just off camera yeah and uh, and was this uh was this the day when porpoising became a visible issue was this when everyone went oh that's why is that ferrari bouncing down the straight absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. so porpoising for people again who are not quite um, up to speed with the latest f1 cars because they're using ground effect aero they're generating a downforce now by sucking air under the car and then blasting it out the back when that stalls and your ground clearance is too low, the car springs up, and then the downforce comes back in, and it slams back into the deck, and you end up riding a you know a bit of a bucking bronco, a buckaroo, for any of you who had that, you know, the awesome 3D board game from the 90s. And, um, yeah, um, we were all wincing as the Ferrari was going down the straight, literally bang, 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 like a belt. Belly flopping, yeah, yeah. like a belt sander, just you know, going along <laughs> like an elephant seal. And everyone was wincing, going, oh, crikey, that looks like a right bag of bolts. Cool. Well, I'm glad Alpine aren't in that situation. Up until they went out in the car, and it did exactly the same, same thing. Problem, and yeah. there's a lot of worries. As did most the of the rest of the grid, to be fair. Oh, yeah, and of course, the Mercedes, yeah. who've yeah. been absolutely unbeatable the past, you know, almost decade, mm. uh, weren't suffering on the worst with it. But yeah, yeah it, was, it was hilarious to kind of see everyone wrestling with a whole new problem that's, they've all got to overcome so do you th do you think the, the the new rules regulations and the cars are going to help with the racing i think so i mean when i in his his a clang sorry chaps but when i interviewed esteban ocon who's uh, i have to say new friend yeah. one of, but <laughs> one, of the, one of the nicest men in formula one and not just when he's on drive to survive but a really really good bloke um he was saying that in all their simulations in the old cars if you're five seconds behind another car, five seconds in Formula One, that's like a fortnight. But five seconds, you're losing half your downforce and the car is undrivable. So you wreck your tyres and it's all over for you, your race. He said in this, you can get within a second and you don't feel any meaningful loss in downforce. So that should mean 
closer following, better overtaking, yeah. should mean, I mean, what Formula One wants is loads more people watching the highlights on YouTube. Yeah, I should say less people falling asleep on their sofas on a Sunday afternoon. When you're full of roast, uh, <laughs> roast lamb and Yorkshire pudding, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That tradition's over with. Yeah, and, uh, and you spoke to Alonso as well, how did that go? A little bit less <laughs> less friendly than than Ocon, perhaps. No, he was he was very very polite and very charming. But ultimately, as I put to him, without wishing to make a two time world champion feel like an old man, he's done a lot of this, and you can tell he's done twenty seasons worth of Formula One pre season testing and putting on the new overalls and asking you know, telling people what he thinks they're going to do this year. And, oh, I love this oil. Yeah, this castrol. I have yeah, it on yeah. my cornflakes in the morning. There's a great and picture in the magazine, which is him posing with this bottle of engine oil for the picture. And you can just see this sort of thinly painted on smile where actually he's just going, he's on autopilot. Isn't oh, he? yeah. He's going yeah. through the motions. And so there was a slight amount of that because, you know, he was, I mean, he said in the interview, I said, oh, what do you think your chances are this season? He went, oh, I've not driven the car yet. So Shine, <laughs> I've, you know, I, I couldn't possibly tell you but i'm hoping hoping for for the best but yeah i mean ultimately he's a he's a massive professional and he did he did give some lovely candid answers to when i was saying these new cars you know they're massive they're 800 kilos what do you prefer he went oh god i missed the v10 days i missed the cars when they were half a ton and you could throw them around and they would dance so yeah, um, yeah unusually candid there but really refreshing don't we all don't we all because they, they i mean the, the the sound is still a bit of an issue they're even bigger do they look slower when they're going around? You know, that would be a natural sort of problem. I think we have to see them in the race environment to, yeah. to get that, but hopefully the racing... I will give you a, a testing nugget, though, which is obviously they did do some high-speed running. They're allowed to do 62 miles or 100 kilometres of running on a filming day so they don't get any meaningful data. But they, So they went out and did some running at the end of the day, and they were saying that the engineers were telling me that they reckon that in slower corners, because of the way this ground effect area is working cars are going to be slower than the old cars were so around like you know monaco or somewhere where there's tight turns they're going to really suck these cars but the um the fast corners you think silverstone magus beckett's or through 130r at um the japanese grand prix in suzuka they're going to be even faster than the best of the field were last year which yeah. is just a sensational thought i mean absolutely flat out and there'll probably be a car right at their backside because they're easy to follow so i assume they're safer than ever of, of course they are you know with the halo and the how structurally stiff the cars are but if the higher speed corners are even higher speed more danger out there, more chance of, of bigger accidents? Yeah, this was something that Oscar Piastri, who's um, Alpine's test driver and the current Formula 2 champion and, you know, an absolute fetus. It was sickening to <laughs> him talking about, oh, I can't really remember Fernando's world titles because I was barely born and there I was going, I remember watching them live. Um, he was saying that, yeah, of course, the problem is, is, you know, the cars are much stiffer so they can run closer to the ground, get their downforce. But if, you know, you clip some debris or you have a nudge from someone mid-corner, you're depending on all that such from the ground effect mm. if that's removed if you get you know boshed yeah touring car jason plato style <laughs> mid-corner have it yeah you are having a plane crash yeah it's yeah, going to yeah. be enormous so yeah of course they've got all the safety devices on board but i think we're going to see not only some closer racing but potentially some almighty shunts this year and just a prediction i mean we're pulling random names out of a hat because you know it's as we said it's a reset it's a mm. they start from square one but who do you think looks good it's interesting. Well, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna cheat here and just say what the um, the drivers told me. Um, it was interesting that both Esteban and Fernando both said when asked, "Oh, do you think there could be an upset? Do you think there could be a brawn GP moment? A team come from nowhere? Could it be Haas at the front? Could it be Williams?" They both went, "No, no chance." <laughs> money talks. Uh, yeah, it's the money talks. And yes, the bigger teams have got uh, more budgets and they get less time in the in the in the wind tunnel, but it's not going to be enough. That he said basically he reckons that Red Bull and Mercedes will be up there. And that um, Ferrari will have made a leap because they knew for years that their last yeah, car yeah, was yeah. rubbish so they could spend some time on this. One of the interesting things, though, from around the same time is that there was a lot of talk, some chatter around the paddock that Mercedes were having some trouble with their car. Now, of course, Mercedes always turn up and go, oh, yeah, car, we don't, know, we don't know this year. And, yeah, and then they go and annihilate everyone. <laughs> but maybe this year... Who knows? Who knows? Maybe who they knows? are not as hot as we thought. Anyway, yeah. so if you want... More of those uh, testing nuggets, we'd recommend going into... Delicious nuggets. Yeah, yeah. 
deep fried pancake yeah. crumbs and plenty of nuggets. awkward moments on the video do just go and watch that to see what it's like to get in the way of one of the most professional sporting outfits in the world yeah mm-hmm. if you thought that drive to survive was a behind the scenes look into f1 it's nothing compared to this dirty this is behind yeah, behind yeah. the behind the scenes there's no this production is, this is brilliant this, this is so. getting this is tripping over the scenes and getting in their way yeah anyways thanks that cute but while we've got you here I think it's time that we um, kind of test our brains and have a little quiz, because you are the quiz master. Yeah, let's get quizzical. Mr. Top 9, when he's not getting in the way of Fernando Alonso, um, he's coming up with the top nines in topgear.com, Top Gear magazine, each week and each month in the mag. Um, so have you got a topic for us to try and... Of course. You and, over? and you'd think a great link now would be to do a motorsport-themed top nine. Um, so no, I'm not organised enough to have done that. Um, instead, <laughs> we're looking purely at road cars... Top nine cars only sold in one colour, please. Yeah. And, and and just in case you're a first-time listener to the pod, the idea is Ro and I have three guesses each to try and guess cars that are on Ollie's list, and then he berates us when we inevitably get so them So cars wrong. sold just in one colour. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay yeah, I, 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 I can go first because... I can't put it any more simply than that. Yeah. <laughs> So, could you repeat them then? Okay, go on. Jack, okay. uh, Ford Model T. Come on. You're, you're, you can have it in any colour you want as long as it's black. But that was lies, wasn't it? It's correct. He's not been watching his QI, BBC intelligent, Intelligentsia show for people not familiar. No, that was that was never... I drank was, the Kool-Aid, didn't I? Yeah. That was never... That's an old wives' tale. It's, 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 there, there, I'll tell you what. There's Fords on the list. There's a clue. But it's not oh, your go cheers, now. No, 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 yes. They've made quite a few cars. Uh, <laughs> what co- what colours were the, was the Model T available in? Uh, I think you could have it in uh, green. They had a lot of and reds. Uh, just a uh, black. There was oh, someone all right. You in. just there go. You, you just go and get peelable paint or a wrap. Now you can get it in any <laughs> colour you want. You just go and you could, you could have it in pearlescent. The main or... reason people think this is because from the day all the photos are black and white. So any colour that was darker than white, effectively, people go, "Oh, look, they were only black." But they're actually available in lots of colours. Anyway, I think I've got one. Go. BMW E92 M3 GTS, I believe, was only available in orange. Some people have done black ones since, but I think from factory, orange was the only colour. You see, no, he's getting nerdy when a model code comes in. E92. This is the V8 M3, of course, with the wing. Yes, it was actually exclusive Fire Orange 2. Two? One to one? I've ju- well, I was thinking exactly that. But yeah, this was the M3. It was 136 kilos lighter than standard um, and only available tangoed. Oh. Not the, the, so the next-gen GTS, I, I remember in white with gold wheels or something. Or grey, yeah, you're getting grey. They mixed or, it up, they yeah. mixed it up. Right, very nice, Ro. Uh, I'm going to go with, I mean, technically not even a colour. It's a, a finish. I think I know where you're going with this. The DeLorean. Of course. Oh, I mean, it is a colour. It's Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely on the list because it was effectively only available in stainless steel. This John DeLorean's futuristic and ill-fated sports car. Um, since then, some have actually been spray-painted. Oh, what's do, it look like? Weird. It's just <laughs> not right. It's yeah, just, yeah. yeah, it's off to see a DeLorean colour swapped. But um, yeah, there's a few red ones knocking around in the United States, apparently. It's a bit of a sort of poor man's Ferrari. Yeah. Nice. One one. Over I think, to you. I've, got, I've, I think I've, I've I've got two, so we could be all right here for the for the win. <laughs> Let's go for the nine nine seven Sport Classic by Porsche. A nine eleven. No, it is a nine eleven. Yeah, Carl, sorry, yes. model codes again. There we My go. bad. Sorry, <laughs> these model <laughs> codes. It's like listening to, to someone the read out the phone book. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, the Porsche nine eleven Sport Classic, the last gen car, was only available in a kind of slate Nardo Audi style grey before that was overdone. It had a bit of green in it, didn't it? Or am I a bit colour blind? I think it had some well, grey stripes over the top, and then it had inside. I think there was like green numerals on the dials. We're getting far too nerdy. I know it had the, the horrible paintwork. rear lights that I always hated, but uh, yeah, those sort of um, clear, clear LED clear yeah, lens. Jobby things yeah but there we are that that was a 911 140 grand only available in gray yeah chalk that one up uh, over to you mate it's like it's like the penalty shootout i have to score now or it's all over well, i could, I could uh, miss the next one but yeah i think i've, I've got one uh so it's between two uh and i'm not going to tell you what the other one is in case it's actually right i think the racing puma is the one i'm going to go for i can't i'm Trying to picture that in any other colour, and I can't. Did I give this? Did I give too much away by saying that Fords were on the list? Well, it solidified that that had a chance. 
That is correct. That's the correct answer. Yeah, the Ford Racing Puma. This was before that Fords were either quick with ST or really fast with RS. Um, it used to be Ford Racing. They did 500 wide body Pumas. This lovely little coupe from the 90s um, was phenomenally unprofitable for Fords and <laughs> ridiculously overpriced. Next, like the impressions of the day. They, they're wicked though. They're, oh they're yeah, they cool. look awesome. fantastic. I've driven Fords heritage car that they kind of keep under a sheet for geeks like me to go and drive in the UK and it is so sweet it's fantastic and that colour then reappeared later on on the Ford Focus RS another Ford only sold in one colour but not on the list so don't worry that's not a <laughs> <for Rowan. laughs> right, right I make that two points two, to two. Jack Rowan, Rowan well that was two one points. of the lists yes so so this is for the win for the win it's, you have to think about cars that were were limited it makes yeah, it easier yeah, I could yeah. go for a one of one because obviously that's uh, only producing that colour but I'm nice not little loophole instant just qualification I'm going to say a mini GP the mini GP you could only get oh. in that grey can you with the, the um... Jack's face has fallen of course yes <laughs> with the all stickers. three generations of the mini works GP only available again in grey this is the mini with two seats and more power um, the latest one is absolute rubbish but the two yeah, before yeah, the that were amazing. it is yeah. so disappointing yeah. it? that was the first car that I drove after lockdown I kind of thought Oh, God, have, have they always been this bad? No, I think I, I wanted another pandemic to come along when I drove that. I was like, no, lock me away again if this is what of, cars are uh, now. A, a nugget for you. The, the That Mini GP was the first, do you remember, after the first lockdown, that was mm. the first shoot that we did, the first physical shoot. We had we had two or three months where we were confined to our houses. Mm. We went out and it was a, a Lamborghini versus a, a Mini GP at Millbrook, wasn't it? Yeah, it was certainly Happy fast enough memories. to be a supercar slayer, but it didn't have the tactility of the early two cars, which there were we fantastic. Go. And as you're right, Rightly say, Rowan, only available in grey. That is three points to Mr. Horncastle, who takes this edition's top nine. Is anyone keeping track of the overall no. score? Does I'm anyone not... listen to this? I don't even know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Hello, no. is anyone listening to this? Are there any the winners here? Are there any winners? Let's be honest. <laughs> if you want more cars only available in uh, one colour, I had real fun pulling this list together because you start to count them up and they're actually loads. Um, yeah, head over to um, topgear.com or put some of those words into a search engine near you. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Ollie. Cheers, I'll We'll see you next next time. I don't know about you, but I feel like going to all that paint chat to Farrow and Bull or something and getting a tin to do Ooh, my... Oh, I love a bit of Farrow and Bull. Yeah. Yeah. Do my new bedroom. Elephant's Breath. Sorry? It's a colour. Oh, okay. Carry on. All right. Anyway, that's probably enough for today, isn't it? I think we should, on that note, wrap this one up. I always say, when you start talking about Farrow and Bull colours, it's time to wrap up a podcast. Yeah. 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 So where can these people see all the stuff that we've been up to? Oh, many places, Rowan, many places. So topgear.com, we've got news, we've got car reviews on there. You can head to uh, Top Gear's Facebook page, Twitter account, Instagram, YouTube, where there's just endless, endless videos to watch, including the Lotus Amira video and the F1 testing video that Ollie Q did, which is just a fantastic watch. Um, You can even buy yourself a magazine. Really? Yeah. Ah, yeah, it will cost money, um, but you do get to keep it. That's which good. Is, yeah, it's a very special experience. That's Please a try fair it out. exchange, I would say. Fair exchange. But also, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Mm-hmm. You can watch us on YouTube as well as all the other videos. But um, I think that's enough for today. So, yeah, that's it. Ya. Thanks for listening. Thank you. See you next time. Bye. <laughs>